Hello, and welcome back to Venture Studio. I'm your producer, Kevin Weeks. This week, we are thrilled to welcome Ming Ye to the show. Ming is co-founder and managing partner of CSC Upshot Ventures, the largest fund dedicated to financing seed stage startups ever. If you're the type of person who listens to the Venture Studio podcast regularly, you probably heard about CSC Upshot launching in October. If not, it was a big deal. Here's some background. CSC Upshot is a $400 million venture fund created to invest primarily in U.S. seed stage technology startups via AngelList. Its biggest LP is CSC Group, one of China's three largest private equity firms with $12 billion under management. Remember, if you're a fan of Venture Studio, please subscribe on iTunes so you never have to miss an episode. If you're feeling up to it, do us a favor and leave a five-star rating and a review in the iTunes store. It helps other people find the show. As always, you can connect with us on Twitter at Venture Studio, and you can listen to prior episodes at VentureStudio.org, on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, and on TuneIn. Now that the words $400 million and AngelList have sunk in, let's dissect this a little bit. Earlier this month, you learned about AngelList Syndicate's product in our interview with Dustin Dolganow of Maiden Lane. Today, we dig further into this massive opportunity. Some stats. As of October 2015, when CSC Upshot was announced, AngelList Syndicates had helped over 650 companies raise $205 million from 4,400 individuals and Maiden Lane's $25 million vehicle. Now, CSC Upshot joins this syndicate's ecosystem with a fund nearly double the size of all syndicate activity to date. Today, Ming and Dave talk all about CSC Upshot, the need for more liquidity at the seed stage, the difference between Chinese and U.S. entrepreneurs, and whether we're seeing the great unbundling of VC or just a natural evolution of the venture financing market. Now, let's head on up to the Venture Studio office with Ming Ye and Dave Lerner. In the office, baby. much for joining Ming. Happy New Year to you. Thank you, Dave. Happy New Year to you as well. Thank you for having me. Let's start off with this rather huge news that you've just co-founded CSC Upshot. It's maybe the largest seed fund ever. First, congratulations. And second, tell us how all this came together. Sure, I'd be happy to. And so thank you, Dave. The concept of CSC Upshot was actually very simple. So I was in Shanghai. I was sitting in Shanghai. I was running SVB Capital and uh, deeply entrenched in the technology ecosystem over there. And I saw a very strong need and desire, not just from the investors, but also from the entrepreneurs and founders to connect to Silicon Valley, to the U.S., but Silicon Valley in particular. And at the same time, I have known the guys at Angelus for years, even before they started Angelist, Kevin Laws and I went to business school at MIT in the late 90s. So I um, had the opportunity to watch them build Angelist into uh, what it is today, which is the world's leading marketplace for startups and investors. And the natural next stage for Angelus is to inject more liquidity into the marketplace to create a long-term financing platform for startups. I've been in Shanghai for six years. I see the desire. I see the need for sophisticated capital. Again, not just investors, but entrepreneurs to really come in and tap into the system here in Silicon Valley. So Upshot was created to capture the two. So Upshot was created to really as a way to have 
investors in China to connect thoughtfully into C-stage technology companies here, leveraging on the Angelus platform, at the same time, injecting capital into the C-stage area and creating a long-term stability platform, financing platform for these startups. No, that's tremendous. You know, my understanding is you, you've raised a $400 million fund and that this is going to be deployed uh, over five, six, seven years. Is that, is that accurate? Yes, yes. So, yeah, we, we, of course, since the news hit, uh, we've been asked a lot of questions. Wow, $400 million, you're going to throw it into the C-stage area in the next two years. What are you going to do to the marketplace? But that's really not the way it's going to go. Uh, $400 million will be deployed in a very thoughtful way over five to six years. Our goal is to deploy it, um, every, is to hit the market every year. You know, we have a plan to inject liquidity. Again, I think the key here is to inject liquidity into the marketplace for C-stage companies. And where we want to be there um, every year consistently injecting liquidity into that place. And that way, we will then be able to create a really long-term, either as a support, as a financing partner, or even as a support to grow these C-stage companies so that they, won't, they don't have to worry about, well, okay, this year or next year, what are we going to do next year? Yeah, so, so there is that long-term assurance that we will be there. So it would be deployed over the next five to six years. Got it, got it. Our audience learned a lot about syndicates uh, on an earlier episode with Dustin Dolgenau from Maiden Lane, and it is this vehicle on AngelList that allows investors who may not have a fund or may not uh, or, or maybe former entrepreneurs or founders themselves to create their own mini funds, etc. You you guys are really backing those syndicates, right? You're less going direct into startups. Is that accurate? Yes, that is accurate. The thought of um, the concept for CSC Upshot really is to work with leading syndicate leads. Um, on Angelus today and also others that um, would like to come on Angelus and to work with them to tap into their network to then reach out to these high-quality companies. I mean, the way to look at it really is um, we are, uh, you can say, okay, we are a, a, a venture fund, but we have tons and tons of experienced venture partners in the marketplace. Today, Angelus has about, I believe the number is over 160 active syndicate leads. So we want to work with these active syndicate leads and we want to add others with expertise onto that. So that in essence, we are a fund, but we have a huge network. We have, you know, like today we have 160 active venture partners that goes out there and work with these companies uh, with us, for us such that um, we, we can then provide not just financing options to the underlying companies, but enable the syndicate leads to provide their own expertise and their own value adds to the companies. Yeah. I was trying to wrap my head around this, and for the folks listening as well, this new kind of fund you've created, I was saying, is it, is it a, a hybrid? Is it a VC? Is it an angel? Is it an LP? And now you've just answered that question. <laughs> you guys are really looking at it. You're looking at these syndicate leads as your scouts, as your venture partners, 
and you're relying on their networks and expertise and you're kind of leveraging that as right. your strategy, which is right. a, a fascinating right. way to look at it. Um, yeah, so I would, um, I would also note the fact that these syndicate leads are not just um, in, in, I know you use the word scouts and, yeah. and I want to be careful with that because they are not being paid on management fees, right? The right. syndicate leads are being paid on success in mm-hmm. the sense that they, they get paid through carry interest. So, uh, and so they are really incentivized with us. They want to get into high quality companies so that these companies will be successful. So do we, right? So that's the carry concept. And also these syndicate leads are are sophisticated in the sense that they are demonstrated entrepreneurs themselves. They have previous entrepreneurial success. What they want really is, you know, they 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 want to swim in this ecosystem. Right. This is their natural desire to be in this ecosystem. It's their natural desire to find and work with the companies. And it's the company's natural desire to want to pair up with these leads because these these have expertise. So that's why I, I wanted to be a little careful with the word right. scout only because we are not just kind of doing our cash and say, here, here you go, go go find them. It's not like that. It's, it's a very natural process. The leads are already in the ecosystem. The, the leads are already incentivized both financially and, and for their own uh, personal passion-wise to work with these companies right. and we just naturally tap into it because Angelus has built itself into this world leading place for platform, a marketplace yeah. for now, this. Tell us a little about CSC itself. I know it's, it's a, uh, it's a private equity giant in China. Yeah. T- tell yeah. us a little about it. So CSC is uh, one of the top private equity management firm in China and they have about 12 billion U.S. dollars under management. And um, so they recently went public in 2015, early, I want to say March or April timeframe mm-hmm. in China. They took the GP company and, um, and took that public in China. So with that, they were able to raise about $1.5 billion through that uh, public offering, U.S. Mm. Uh, US dollars. Yeah. And um, CSE, before Upshot and before the partnership with AngelList, has um, only been focused in China. And via the Upshot vehicle, via the partnership with AngelList, CSE is now uh, looking globally and, and with U.S. as the first step, of course. And trying to create and 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 figure out a way to globalize their business. So that's that's one way CSE is looking at this partnership with AngelList and um, and working with the companies here in Silicon Valley. You know, you you mentioned uh, earlier that you spent time in Shanghai. You ran SVB Capital there in China, right? Um, and you, you know, you really dove into the ecosystem there. Give us a sense of the landscape in China, the venture landscape there. Sure, sure. Very happy to do that. So I um, moved to Shanghai in 2008 um, as a family. We decided that we would like to go to China and, and live there and kind of experience the whole growth over there. Mm. When I got there in 2008, the venture market was just um, – 
I want to say it's almost at its second phase in the sense that Alibaba was created in the mid to late 90s. So, um, so there was already a new wave, and there was already that wave, the Alibaba wave. So people begin, people already see that, hey, you know, if you invest early with the companies, if you grow with the companies, look what the giant, what the, what, what, what the possibilities are right. with Alibaba. And then because of that, in the, in the 2008-ish, when I went there, there was a lot of funds that just got uh, getting started, a lot of venture funds. Mm-hmm. So at that time, when I first got there, that was when, um, you know, Kleiner was started to, to see, if, uh, started Kleiner China there, Sequoia started Sequoia China just a year or two before I got there. So there was a lot of focus at the time from the U.S. to look at China and setting up shops over there. Lightspeed was setting up Lightspeed China. So there was a lot of interest from U.S. to China. And then that then created what I'm calling the second phase of the China venture ecosystem where a lot of the U.S. investors are coming in and play into that space, and um, which then created six years. Fast forward six years, I was there from 2008 to 2014. Uh, mm-hmm. And by the time I left in 2014, you will, you, what I saw was that there's been a lot of the funds that got set up, a lot of the funds are now injecting sophisticated capital into the China ecosystem. And Beijing itself in the area, in the district called Zhongguanchun, it has pretty much created itself almost similar to Silicon Valley in the sense that Beijing has the Beijing University, it has Tsinghua University, very much similar to what Silicon Valley has to Stanford and to Berkeley and wow. other schools around the area and the entrepreneurship in China is just starting to but it's 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 just a lot of people are coming in mm-hmm. and creating companies in in Beijing and in the Shanghai area so i would say that the entrepreneur ecosystem now in China is definitely one that that definitely compares well with Silicon Valley and the entrepreneurs in China are in many ways um, a lot more hungry than the ones here in the sense that because it's still new and it's still budding and and the ecosystem still has a lot of ways for them to maneuver and move around. So yeah, yeah. let, Go let ahead. me interrupt you just for a second. I, yeah. I, I, I couldn't help myself. Yeah. When you talk about a hungry entrepreneur that you see in China, yep, and you're saying you're seeing this very keenly, elaborate on that a little bit and maybe compare it to folks you've seen here. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's many different ways. I mean, number one, you know, in if you're sitting, if you're an entrepreneur sitting in Beijing, what do you do? You wake up every morning and you you are able to tap into let's say TechCrunch. They could listen to your venture beat. They could they have all these resources from the U.S. that's open to them. They see the world from China, and then so when they build their companies, they build it for global businesses. And that's one trend that I see differently because entrepreneurs here in the U.S., you wake up in Silicon Valley, beautiful San Francisco. I don't think the entrepreneurs tap into the Chinese podcast. I don't think they tap into the Chinese um, ecosystem there to think about how do I, as a San Francisco-based entrepreneur, build my business such that it's suitable for a global market. So that's one key difference. The other difference is that 
if you are entrepreneur sitting in Beijing, you wake up, you need to figure out the the financing ecosystem is not as so it's not as ready made. So for you to raise your next round of financing, you really have to be very uh, thoughtful. You have to think about every angle. You have to figure out how you're going to raise money, how you're going to tap into different kind of network. Versus when you wake up in San Francisco, you know there's tons of you could decide. Well, okay, I'm on. I want to get on Angelus. I want to tap into the syndicate network, right. or I have my buddy and my friends that's working on Sand Hill Road. I can talk to my buddy. You know, they have a very natural way for uh, entrepreneurs in San Francisco to kind of tap into already. So the the feeling it's not the same. It's it's not. Um, that you need to go and tap into all these different channels that you wouldn't necessarily, yeah. it's not obvious to you. Right. So those are the two um, big differences. And so I would say that, um, so what that created is that the underlying company, when I look at companies in China, these companies do build it for the global market from day one. Wow. Of course, you got to be globally minded and locally focused. Everybody talk about that, right? So uh, companies in China, of course, they, they need to focus on, well, what do I do now versus two years later? But at day one, you know, on the technology platform, on what they are thinking about, how do you build these platforms? How do you create a platform that could scale? They think globally, uh, versus, I think that most of I'm not I, I, you know, a lot of companies I see here in Silicon Valley and, and U.S. in general, um, definitely local focus, which is what they need to be. But I'm not sure whether they um, think about putting global into how they could scale their platform and business wow. uh, in day one. Yeah, it sounds like a very uh, exciting environment to be in and to, to be running into entrepreneurs like that. So it sounds like some of the big American venture firms came in, the Kleiners, the Sequoias, and then the Lightspeeds, et cetera, mm -hmm. and kind of seeded the venture ecosystem, et cetera. But have you seen more Chinese natives starting up their own venture funds, et cetera? I imagine CSC and others. What, what happened to the venture side of things during that maybe second phase you described? Yeah, so so definitely. I think you, you, you hit it, is it's that... Um, a lot of the quote-unquote locally grown um, venture funds were starting to come up. And in fact, in the China market, there are um, quote-unquote two currencies to invest. One is U.S. dollar, one is RMB, which is the local Chinese currency. The um, U.S. firms that I spoke about are largely deploying um, in the U.S. currencies, mm -hmm. U.S. dollar currency. But the Chinese government is strongly um, supporting these locally um, coming up funds. So these are RMB funds. And CSC themselves actually started as an RMB fund manager. And so the government is um, creating strong incentives for the RMB funded companies to uh, to be able to tap into much bigger areas and different sectors, so that created a, a new set of uh, GPs that are local to Guam, and they manage R and B funds, and um, and then they then deploy into these more locally focused R and B structure companies. So there's actually in some ways two parallel universes going on 
in China, U.S. dollar universe and RMB universe. But by the time that I left in 2014, these two are beginning to merge because the U.S. dollar funds are beginning to raise RMB funds and RMB fund managers are beginning to raise U.S. dollar funds. So they're beginning to merge. It's a, it's a really complicated system, and that's going to take us a lot more time right, right. to dive into that. No, but it's fascinating. What, what do you uh, predict for uh, phase three in the Chinese venture ecosystem? Well, I think in phase three, definitely is this merge of um, the two universe, U.S. dollar universe and RMB universe. And you will see it in the GPs themselves as, as well. The U.S. dollar, the U.S. fund GPs are now um, going into more and more China space. And, and the funds are going to be more and more localized in the sense that um, the second generation, the younger um, people coming in will be the locally educated uh, Chinese entrepreneurs, will be the locally successful entrepreneurs. Alibaba themselves has created this next generation entrepreneurs. So uh, you will meet a lot more and more these the locally grown, locally successful entrepreneurs that have grown up in this uh, Chinese local ecosystem. So you will see that as a, as a coming up trend. And you will see a lot more um, GPs spinning out of these larger funds and then creating their own small funds. It's similar to um, the U.S. Uh, venture market in, in many ways in the sense that some of the younger generation um, from the U.S. GPs are now spinning, are spinning out and creating their own. And that's why in the U.S. market, there's this whole new trend of the micro VC funds and right. this whole new trend. Um, it's, it's very similar to the U.S. market, except in many ways, China does, does that in a very fast pace. You know, I saw it in six years when I was there, and I think it's, it's going to get there in the next two or three years. We see it here, uh, as you said. I mean, a lot of folks formerly at Kleiner have started their own funds, yeah. and, and we've seen that extrapolated th- throughout the Valley and elsewhere. What yeah. about the angel scene? Real quick, I'm curious, like, yeah. you, you know, Alibaba, has that spawned a new generation of potential angels that yes. will come in the seed space? Is there seed yes. money in there as well? Yes, so so definitely. In, in fact, um, joking aside, there are a mm-hmm. lot of people in China that want to copy the Angelus model. There's a lot of quote-unquote copycats of Angelus in China. And it's because of the C stage, because of the angels, because of the angel investor, personal investors that have created wealth from, let's say, Alibaba's and that wanted to deploy back into the system. So very similar to the U.S. market here as well. So yes, there's definitely um, a very strong um, angel investor network in China, and they are also looking for thoughtful ways to create uh, platforms or find channels to invest back into the technology ecosystem. So this is going to be driving this whole next generation of the Chinese venture market. Wow, this is fascinating. Just curious, what kind of um, early stage valuations are you seeing out there? I mean, <laughs> I'm just curious, are there a lot of, a lot of bargains to be had? <laughs> no, yeah, actually the U.S. has lower valuation oh, right wow, now. really? <laughs> yes, yes. And, and it's driven by two things. Number one, early stage in China really is later stage it's later compared to the early stage definition in, in the U.S. Why is that? So basically people are the, bootstrapping like crazy? Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, people tend to bootstrap their companies 
um, longer. Mm-hmm. And um, so people don't come out for quote unquote outside finance until later. So the definition of early stage in China really is a little later than the definition of um, early stage here in the U.S. And that's why they were able to justify a higher valuation just because the traction is, is higher. But overall, across the board, the valuation in China, in my view, uh, um, higher than what you get here in the U.S. at this point. Should we in the... Uh tech ecosystem here in the States be listening to the Chinese podcasts you referred to before? Definitely. <laughs> the only problem, the other problem is the language. That's the other thing that the Chinese entrepreneurs has advantage over the U.S., right? Because everyone there speaks English. They understand English. They can tap into any any sources, resources that they could. Um, however, the, the, uh, the U.S. Uh, ones are not able to tap into the Chinese system as easy and readily. I know one person who can do both. Uh, that would be you. <laughs> let, you. Let, let me ask you this. I mean, you know, you've you've shared with us what's going on out there. Yeah. The sort of new Silicon Valley, Chunghua and, and yep. Beijing and the universities, Stanford-like universities and this exciting ecosystem. But now you're back in the States. You know, you've got this great partnership with AngelList. You're going to be seeding this ecosystem for many years. How do you see venture in the States evolving? You know, there's a whole discussion, as you know, about the unbundling of VC. Yeah. Some, some VCs love it. Some VC, VCs don't like it for, for a host of reasons. How do you see yeah. it? What's going to be happening? Well, I, I think it's it's definitely happening. The unbundling of the VCs, it's definitely happening. Um, I, I could be biased just because my partnership with Angel is allowed us to really be there in the core of this unbundling, right? Yes. But, um, but I do think that instead of thinking... Um, of whether Angelus is, is sort of disrupting the venture market. I think we need to look at it as this is just the normal, normal evolution of the venture market. We are not doing anything differently because venture, if you go back to the beginning of venture, is really about bringing personal relationship at the table, grow, help companies grow, at the same time finance it. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do is to leverage the leads, coming back to the syndicate leads, right? Leveraging the leads, personal relationship, personal knowledge, personal expertise to help the company grow at the same time finance it. The only different things, what we do differently is just we do a lot more things online. We leverage, so, so what disrupted this whole thing really is more the evolution of internet, right? The evolution of how we do business on internet, the evolution of how business are done. So you do it online, you do it offline. That's all part of this whole normal evolution and what we're trying to do is just to move along that and and capture it and and in many ways monetize that right i would think that it's being democratized to a certain degree because by virtue of being online and having vehicles like angelist there's going to be the possibility of finding talented investors that wouldn't have had the opportunity let's say in different parts of the world in different cities that are not as well known as the valley exactly yeah the internet allows you know this marketplace allows to to shine and you guys are in some ways uh, in search of people like that yes yes definitely i mean what we believe what we're doing is we are leveling the playing the playing field basically we level it out. And, and one thing that maybe what we do disrupt is the old boys network concept mm. on the venture, for the venture funds. It's, it's, it's less about um, you know, these old boys network as to who get to come into my deals, quote unquote, my deal versus your deals, right? right? It, it's much more transparent, it's much more open. 
and it, uh, as to your earlier point, yes, it allows uh, a successful um, either entrepreneurs or investors to then come out and say, hey, you know, I could work with you. I could come out with, I can then come out working with companies and I will have a way of financing them. So it creates a, a new alternative or a channel for them to do what they want to do anyway. It's very exciting. I want to thank you for spending some time with us and letting us know what's going on and sharing perspectives with us. We'll have you back later in the year. We'll get deeper into these kind of topics. Ming, thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you, Dave. Show you around, give you a taste of business, you know? Hey, everyone. Dave Lerner here. I hope you're liking the Venture Studio podcast. If you have any questions, feedback, suggestions, or just want to say hello, you can reach us on Twitter, at Venture Studio. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud as well. Thanks. I appreciate the support as always.